You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. I'm super jacked today because I'm joined by the one and only hard man himself. Well, the second only hard man himself, Dan Burkholder. I'm number one. Sorry. I will take it. Thank you. you Thank are, you for having me. You're welcome. Dan showed up for the podcast wearing a Hard Men Podcast Virtus t-shirt. So extra points for Dan. And uh, encouragement to any of our listeners, you can pick one of those up in the ericcon.com store. Dan, yours is, it's looking fly, I got to say. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much. Goes I nice. do make it look good. It goes nice with your bald head and your Viking beard. I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. So Dan, today we're talking about something that we've been putting together for a little bit now. This is the Hardeman Carnivore Challenge. The Hardeman, not the hard man, but the Hardeman Carnivore Challenge. So first of all, I want to dig in, Dan, just for a little bit here. Why Hardeman? Why Carnivore? What are we doing? So first of all, we partnered with Hardeman Company, our friends in Texas, to present this challenge. We kind of got inspired by them, didn't we? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've, we visited Dallas yep. and met some of the guys in the Simmons family and uh, Hardeman, and they are complete Chad Kings. And especially uh, JB. I mean, come on. The guy is awesome. Yeah, he's a king. So the Hardeman Simmons family uh, runs, owner-operators, I guess, of the Hardeman company. And uh, Bart is the, JB, is the, he's really a patriarch. He's set up, he's been a part of this family business for a long time, runs the 2S Ranch in Texas. 2S is the one providing us with so much of our grass-fed beef for this carnivore challenge extravaganza meat fest. Yeah, they raise it all grass-fed on their own ranch in Texas using some interesting methods. I think we'll probably be hearing more about that in a future episode as far as like grazing tactics and techniques and and the goals of regenerative grazing and things like that. But they raise all the meat right there in Texas and have been sending it to us for this challenge. Absolutely. So we appreciate those guys. We have something like two and a half pounds of meat per day yep. that uh, we are uh, consuming and that's coming from these guys. So we definitely shout out to them and definitely appreciate them. You'll see in the show notes links for 2S Ranch. If you want to order your own beef, you can definitely do that. Highly recommended. It's not only good for the planet. Dan, but it is good for our bodies as well. If you're going to do carnivore, you got to have high quality meat. So there you go. Definitely check that out. We should have some coupon codes in there as well. If you want to pick up some meat, they'll ship it to your doorstep, which is super convenient. So Dan, I want to dig in and I want to talk about why this challenge and why carnivore as well as what we are doing. So I guess just baseline parameters. We've got 90 days of meat is basically what this comes down to. Uh, We are eating meat. We've measured our body weight and sizes beforehand. We've taken tape measures. Pretty much all the results we're going to put behind a paywall at the Hardman Podcast Patreon. We'll be talking about a lot of other stuff, um, how this has impacted us, uh, sleep. Everybody, of course, wants to talk about pooping uh, with carnivore. Um, What were your poops like? So you have some really interesting conversations with the uh, carnivore crowd. We'll talk more directly about those things. 
in the after hours uh, with Dan and myself. We'll talk about things like weight loss or measurements. Yeah, we took a blood panel. That's right. So, so yeah, I've got my blood panel results. So I saw my testosterone levels, glucose levels, cholesterol, lots of other things. Yep. So we'll share some of the results of the panel uh, in the after hours for you guys who are interested in that. And I, I found in a lot of people are interested because once you go down this road, like like we've been doing, we'll explain in the show more of this, but we've been doing a ton of research. We've been doing a ton of reading, um, especially, uh, you know, Bart was so kind as to recommend like five books, which we'll mention here in a second. Um, but reading those, it's like, uh, I feel like we're sort of doing a scientific experiment. So you're trying to track a ton of stuff. And if you have other people in that camp too, trying to get their health and their hormones right, really what ends up happening is it, it builds like this community and camaraderie around like, hey man, what, you know, what's your tea? What'd you do? Um, we, we're having these issues. How did you solve some of those? How's your hydration? That sort of thing. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it uh, quickly breeds community. We've definitely, I think, annoyed Brian and Ben in the office here. We've annoyed them with our conversations about carnivore. Yeah. Sure. The amount of mocking that we receive for like, Oh, meat eating meat. Yeah. Carnivore. Hey, carnivore bros. <laughs> I mean, I, I imagine they're sick of hearing about it as well, but it, yeah, it, it's become uh, quite the, uh, I guess like a passion project trying to figure this out. Part of the reason is like the science of nutrition is pseudoscience at this point, And I'm convinced more and more it's because you have so much like the food pyramid was paid for by these big, you know, cereal produ- producers Nabisco like yeah, Nabisco, Kellogg companies and General things like Mills. that to, to, um, you know, pay for certain results of testing in nutrition and health. And so coming at this, once you, once you've taken the, the red pill and you're like, okay, mm. all of this nutrition and stuff like that is largely unknown. And I just have to realize that I don't know a lot because I've been fed so many lies. And so you start asking the question, well, what is true? What is true about food and nutrition? And one of the, um, right now, one of the, the, the proposals is this carnivore, you know, we, we've seen the ketogenic diet, keto, um, you know, other low carb diets, uh, offered up as like, Hey, this is actually a healthy alternative. Let's eat a lot of fat. Let's eat a lot of protein and let's not eat as many refined, you know, carbohydrates and sugars. And so really what we're doing is experimenting. So this is going to be three months of seeing what happens. Like, let's see if this is true. People are saying that this is healthy. Let's find out, test the results. And so that's why we've taken so many measurements and everything like that is because they're saying this is good for you. Let's try it. Yeah. And, and I think that's, it's a huge point to, to make in all of this that we, we've, as, as I've read, there's sort of, and I'm sure you've experienced it too, but there's this paradigm shift because everything that we learn, I mean, I, I grew up in the nineties, you know, we were learning about health and lifetime fitness and they were saying things like, you know, avoid bacon at all costs and fatty meats. But what you really need is oatmeal and margarine. You need to eat a lot of grains and you need to eat a lot of, you know, canola oil. Excellent for you. Always do canola oil, seed oil. Of course, now we're reading a lot of that, 90% of that recommendations for dietary guidelines is probably the reason that Americans in the last century, the 20th century, were plagued by things they never were before, like chronic heart failure, cancer, and a lot of other chronic diseases. Diabetes is included in that list as well. So again, just paradigm shifting. Um, you, you do kind of have to put up with a lot of um, naysayers, I guess, people who think, oh, well, you're going to die of scurvy. We'll talk about some of the 
uh, potential pitfalls or what people think are the pitfalls in just a moment. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong. There is a lot of that going around, just misinformation about nutrition. Yeah. You can even see that recently. It went there. The winds are changing overall. I mean, where, where now like a keto diet is kind of acceptable. Yeah. Paleo you know, took off. Yeah. Paleo. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of these like quote unquote ancestral diets, yep. you know, have taken off, but even like the perceptions around bacon. So be, bacon before it was like saturated fat, terrible sodium, terrible, all of it bad. I've even seen bacon on like top 10 best foods for you <laughs> now because it's, it's like change. rich in mineral content yeah. and you know, the fat is really pretty good for you. And I, I mean, it's tasty. That helps. But so even just the in nutrition right now, I think it's becoming more accepted, which is another reason why I'm I am somewhat suspicious of like carnivore, quite honestly, is because anytime something that a nutritionist popular. Yeah, becomes popular, I'm like, okay, we've all seen it before in fads, right? Fad diets. You've seen a lot of this in the Christian world, the maker's diet, the Daniel diet. You've seen this other places like Weight Watchers and and a lot of other things. Um, some of the principles are good, but I'm just really wary of any sort of fad. And so that's another reason, you know, to experiment and to give it a try. Well, it's interesting. Um, so we've talked about the food pyramid and this is, as we dive into carnivore, this is kind of what it's going against. So just to set the scene, uh, this is myplate.gov. So they went away from the food pyramid and now they have my plate. Okay. Um, so have they changed is the question. Like, did they wise up? Cause a lot of the recent studies actually show, and there's a lot of books we'll recommend in also in just a second that pretty much show, um, the seed oil, you know, fake, uh, Crisco, those sorts of things that they were bad for you. And, and that a lot of the dietary recommendations from Ansel Keys and others dating back to the fifties, sixties and seventies were actually quite horrible. So the question is, have they learned new studies are out Low carb is really one of the best ways if you have type 2 diabetes to lose weight, et cetera. It's been effective. And they prove this even going back to like the Atkins diet. So have they changed? Have they learned their lesson? Well, now they're recommending what is called MyPlate. It's replaced the food pyramid. And when you look at MyPlate, what's interesting is on the main plate, there are four food groups that they've got listed. Fat is not even one of them. But you've got four food groups listed. Protein is pretty small. And the other three, the three, at least based on the photo, three quarters of your diet should be made up of vegetables, grains, and fruits. They've got a little cup on the side for dairy, probably because the dairy industry lobbyists were freaking out about the MyPlate, uh, would be my guess here. But Dan, when you look at that, fat's not even on there. And they're saying 75% of your diet should come from vegetables, fruits, and grains. Yeah. I'm reading some of this. It says at least half of the grains you eat should be whole grains. Okay, that's nice. And it should be more than a quarter of your diet. And so they're really pushing grains still. I mean, some fruits. I, I Fundamentally, though. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It they're really hasn't changed. Eat a ton of carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be the path to health. What we found culturally, though, and, and again, the data bears this out, that has not led to long-term health for Americans. So uh, I want to propose just a few things, uh, resources for people who are interested. I know people are always asking on the show, hey, what was the book you recommended? We'll include these in the show notes. But I want to start by going over some of the carnivore rules and how they are opposed to this model of optimal nutrition for lifespan and also for health span for us as human beings. So we're going to dig into carnivore. 
I want to posit two resources, Dan, one that we've been reading, and this one came by recommendation from Bart. Um, this one is Sean Baker, who is an MD. His book is titled The Carnivore Diet. Um, that, I think, was pretty helpful in shaping what we had talked about you know, doing for this project. The other one I put on here is Dr. Paul Saladino. Uh, Paul is the one who has the Kale is BS uh, t-shirts. Both of them have really active Instagram profiles. Very controversial, both of them. Yeah, very controversial. Uh, Paul Saladino has heartandsoil.co. And again, we'll have this in the show notes, but he's got a lot of information about, it's really helpful. Like if you want to go carnivore, here's how you do it. Here's what to avoid. Uh, People ask questions like, well, how many calories do I eat? He doesn't go by calories. He usually goes by grams of protein. Um, and, And he even breaks it down into the three categories. Well, are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to gain muscle? Are you just trying to balance your hormones? It's really the answer to that is going to be dependent on what you're trying to accomplish with the diet. Uh, three other books that I would recommend that are not necessarily about carnivore, but food and health in general and tie into this conversation. The first one is Sacred Cow by Diana Rogers and Rob Wolf. This book was phenomenal. I, know, I don't think you've read this one yet. I haven't, no. I have um, it on order. It hasn't come to my house yet. Yeah, phenomenal book. Um, really helpful in talking about what happened to the food industry, the green movement, and why cows actually are not destroying the planet, but are animal protein and animal fats are optimal nutrition for human beings. The next one is The Big Fat Surprise, The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teckles. This was, I believe, a New York Times bestseller, and again, dives into a lot of things we're talking about, um, Ansel Keys and this whole push for grains and carbohydrates which have actually made people chronically fat and diabetic and have massive health problems. And then she'll talk about why amino acids, protein, and fat animal products are actually so good for you. So that is really helpful. And then finally, the complete guide to fasting by Dr. Jason Fung, a lot of the same information, but a lot of, a lot of more information in this one about intermittent fasting and why that can be so beneficial. He's a doctor. He gets into Kind of the science behind why fasting works. We're incorporating that, at least I am. And so for people who want to do some research, I think that is helpful. Uh, Dan, I want to start with what is carnivore? That's a good question. Yeah, what is carnivore? And I've broken this down into three categories because even you and I, we've, we've kind of gone back and forth and said, what is it? I've, you look at Sean Baker, you look at Paul Saladino. And even in those two guys, there's kind of some different answers on some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've broken them down into three categories, all, most, and some. So all carnivore people say this, most of them say this, and some of them say this. The sum is really the more debatable points. Um, so let's start with the all. Uh, what are all carnivore people typically doing? Yeah, it's, it's animal products like meat, yeah. organ meat, fat, bone broth. You know, it, the, the question is, is it an animal? Then you can eat it. Or an, like egg, animal product. Yeah. I mean, it's a yeah. small, unfertilized animal. I well, guess. yeah. Unless it's, yeah. Yes. It's a small, unfertilized animal. So, yeah. So, including eggs. Yeah. You're eating nose to tail is the, the popular phrase right now. Animals. Uh, that's, that's what they all agree on. Like lots of protein, meat. That's what you're eating. Yeah, and when you say nose to tail, this is going to include things like um, eating organ meat, some of the Heart, tissues, liver, some tongue, you know, kidney, tongue, yeah, things like that. 
And Dan, I just want to give you an opportunity to showcase your ability here, but uh, Liver King. Yeah, what? Liver King? <laughs> primal. <laughs> That's right. So primal. So yeah, Liver King is another guy. Maybe you've seen him on, on the Instagram, TikTok, maybe. All natural, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I What I've learned since looking into this carnivore world, since he also crosses paths with like, bodybuilding yeah and and things like that lots of these weightlifting guys because i'm also doing powerlifting on that i don't know if we we're going to talk about that yeah we'll mention that this part episode of but yeah. yeah we're also doing some powerlifting and so when you start looking at a lot of these guys who are doing the powerlifting you come i was ignorant by the way i was ignorant until i started watching some critiques of guys like liver king that a lot of these guys they are like not natural at all. They're taking steroids, TRT, HGH of some sort. And so anyway, looking at liver King, if that guy is all natural, like I'll eat my hat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good gravy. That guy is unreal. Did, didn't he, but this is a side note, but didn't he admit to like genetic modification in like Korea? Or so something? yeah. Yeah. He, he had some gene uh, therapy done in, I think it was Korea. I think so. Maybe it was Thailand. I can't remember. It was Asia somewhere in 2018 where he edited something in his DNA, <laughs> his genetic code. I don't know how any of this works. So I'm speaking from ignorance. So Google it. That helps muscle production essentially. So all you have to do, if you're curious, okay, just Google liver King. You look at the guy and just understand there's probably no way yeah, we that can have any a- human being could look like that. We could have a survey. Naturally. Um, I actually think that Liver King could be all natural in the same way that I think Barry Bonds was all natural. <laughs> it's about yeah. the same category. I mean, there's a maybe it's TRT and HGH, and you could consider that natural because yeah. those are naturally produced hormones. I don't really know. However you slice or dice it, he's not just eating liver and lifting weights and looking like that is, is all I'm saying. Yeah, and... You know, a lot of the guys in this this movement, uh, you'll find a lot of them uh, on social media, Twitter, Instagram. I, I think it's always helpful when you kind of, there's some that you can tell, okay, there's some, like Liver King, there's clearly some entertainment value, but some phony. They, he's hilarious. I he's, mean, I, I love watching the guy. He's I mean, hilarious, he's super but funny. most people that I've asked, like, do you think he's all natural? They're like, absolutely not. Um, but there are also a lot of people in, in this movement. Uh, I think Paul Saladino even... Uh, on Instagram, people, he said, people always ask me, are you on TRT? And I, he's like, no, I'm absolutely not. And he showed on one of his things, his numbers and his testosterone was 700, mm. which is not astronomically high. It's not, it's not low. I mean, he's a, he's a fit looking dude. He looks mm. like he's, well, it depends f- on who you talk to. There's some doctors that say like a thousand is the baseline. Yeah. Uh, you that's, know, but that's more and more of what I'm hearing is like a thousand would be somewhat ideal. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on who you talk to though. Right. Because the, the normal scale is all the way down to like two fifty. Well, and this, it brings up an interesting point as we get into men's health, because what, what I'm starting to find is that when you get to our perception as a society is that we're just so medically advanced. And then you get into things. I, I first read this in um, bronze age mindset, but he was talking about, how the most essential building block, one of the most essential building blocks for human flourishing is hormones. And he said, what's ironic is we know almost nothing about them. We don't really know how they work. Um, the attempts in the last century to treat hormones, like in 
menopausal women has been largely a failure. Um, and now we're injecting men with TRT. We just don't have a really good track record here. And nutrition. Uh, this is something that Dr. Fung talks about in his book, but he said, I went through med school and I had like one introductory course on nutrition. That's it. He's like, I don't even remember if I learned anything in the course. So you would think that these people who are supposedly all about human health and flourishing would know something about like adequate, proper nutrition. What should you eat? And what they should actually, you not eat? Yeah. That's kind of the absurdity of our medical establishment today is they don't know very much about the uh, central building blocks of human flourishing. Life I have theories. I have theories as to why that is. Tell me. But maybe. It, oh, okay. You want me to go into it right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the goal of the medical world right now is to fix sick people. It's not to keep people healthy or well, even to get them healthy, but it's actually just to fix a problem. Think about TRT though. They're like, okay, guys, T is low. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Guys, T is low TRT, but nobody stops and says, wait, what's causing this drastic drop? Maybe yeah. we should go back and fix the cause. Especially in light of the historic levels of, of testosterone. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. So it, if this was a normal thing, as far back as we could know, that men have had low testosterone, certain segments of the population just have low testosterone as like outliers. That'd be one thing. But when you have a vast population that has very low testosterone and it's an anomaly within the last 20 years. And nobody stops to ask why in the main medical world, instead, they're just injecting these hormones into men without understanding the ramifications. And he, as Nassim Tlaib, he says in, in his Incerto series, I think he's anti-fragile. He's like, Be, I'm highly sus suspect of any medical procedure that hasn't been around for a thousand years or any yeah, advice. That's a good rule here. Yeah. Other than like surgery, he gives a caveat like, but, but yeah, there. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, carnivore or a lot of these ancestral type uh, diet nutrition plans. One of the appeals to me is that you can look back and you can say, well, actually, this is the way people ate for like 500 years and there was no chronic heart disease and there was no chronic anything like that. So um, that that's one thing to look at. But also, I think um, with stuff like you said with TRT, you've got to understand that whether it's beneficial or not, I know some guys are going to differ on the response to that. It hasn't been around very long. Um, I don't exactly trust a medical establishment that is injecting people with substances to know what they're doing. They kind of, in the last couple of years, have a track record of not knowing what they're doing or, you know, doing it in, a, in the wrong manner or whatever. But also, like, you got to realize these people are making money off it. The reason you see TRT clinics on every street corner now is because they realize they can make a ton of money off guys. That may not be the optimum way to say, how, like, how do we promote long-term lasting human flourishing? I don't no, think absolutely. those people are really asking that question. No. And I mean, just to be incredibly cynical, I, I think most doctors are probably fine. They just don't, they're somewhat ignorant as to the fact that they're being played by big pharma. Yeah. And anyway, so let's get back to the diet. So we, we had said all, all of the carnivore diets would say eating meat, liver, we got into liver because- Liver is actually like nature's multivitamin. There are so many nutrients in liver. It's actually quite an incredible food. A lot of like the Weston A. Price, you know, folks, they, they take frozen liver, like a small amount every day, swallow it. If you don't like the taste of it, liver king eats it raw. I mean, if you're a real Chad King, you yeah, just eat it raw. But. I've even seen some uh, people have like 
uh, it was a mixture of ground beef, usually ground beef and ground organ meat yeah, to make yeah. it a little more palatable. Absolutely. And, and some of the theories, just to give you a peek behind the scenes of like Sean Baker's book, who wrote the book, The Carnivore Diet, he talks about the availability of nutrients in uh, muscle meats and in animal meats versus, say, like vegetable and how much easier it is to extract nutrients from, from meat than it is from vegetables. Because even if you take, say, like a, a red bell pepper has something like, I don't know, I'm going to make up a number, like 200% of your daily vitamin C. It's got more than an orange. It doesn't actually mean that most of it is available to you. You might pass most of that through your system. Whereas with meat, organ meat, most of that is going to be readily available for, for you to digest and to actually intake those nutrients. And so that's a lot of the theory behind eating a lot of meat, eating the organ meat, because there's everything that your body needs within the animal. So I, I think the only thing that they, most of these guys would add is definitely salt, electric, electrolytes, you know, water. But otherwise, completely, you can have all of the nutrients you need from the animal is the theory. Yeah. And one of the things you're talking about is really uh, the theory of anti-nutrients and how plants contain a lot of them. So a lot of the vitamins, like they'll talk about kale and they'll say like, oh, it's got all these vitamins. Well, a lot of them, your body can't actually absorb. Um, one thing we're often not told, especially in our society where beef and meat in intake has actually gone drastically down because, you know, the big establishment is telling us not to eat it. It has gone drastically down. And the thing is that meat is by far and away the most loaded with nutrients, amino acids, fatty acids. It, meat really is the superfood. And so a lot of these guys are pointing this out. That's why it is in the all category. Next up, we have the most category. So most will allow for dairy of some sort, including hard cheese, butter, cottage cheese, sour cream. Butter is probably in the first category for most people. Yeah, butter is fat. almost, yeah, almost universally accepted as like a really good food for you to consume. Yeah. And most people don't, because it doesn't have contain lactose since it's separating out the milk solids from the fat. And so it's usually easy to digest. You got to think about, about the carnivore diet also as like an elimination diet. To where if you're not familiar with elimination diets, essentially the historic use of an elimination diet would be like, hey, I know that I react well to like white rice and I'll just eat that for a couple of weeks and then I'll add something in and see how my body reacts. And so that's what, what is happening essentially with the carnivore diet is that you eat meat. Most people don't have negative reactions to meat. Actually, they feel fantastic when they're eating meat. And then you can incorporate some other things such as uh, dairy. Because a lot of people have inflammation issues, digestive digestive issues, they get eczema, you know, outbreaks on their skin, uh, things like that from dairy. And so, um, uh, you know, as as you introduce another animal product, dairy, you just have to see how your body reacts. Yeah, and that was something you and I were talking about early on. So I've been on it a uh, week and a half, almost two weeks, and um, I was having a lot of raw milk and. Again, my own ignorance, uh, because I saw that you could have raw milk on a lot of these, but usually in the beginning, people are saying, yeah, I wouldn't have a lot of it. What's the difference between, say, like cottage cheese, sour cream and raw milk? Well, you pointed this out. Raw milk has a lot of carbohydrate sugar, not necessarily that it's bad sugar, but it is. It's sugar. Yeah, it's, it's sugar. carbohydrates. Yeah. So you'll find a lot of times just as a side tangent, if you decide, you know, I'm going to do carnivore. And you, you have milk, especially, uh, it does have enough car carbohydrates. It could present, prevent you from getting into ketosis, which is essentially your body transitioning from running on, on carbohydrates as a main 
source of energy to fat to fat burning. Yeah, yeah. And there's a whole process there. You'd have to watch somebody that's actually a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm actually a pastor. So medical advice you should not take from me. That's right. But, but anyway, I, it, it's enough sugar that it might make you feel like you're not satiated when you eat and kind of make you feel a little bit not great. Yeah. And so I would definitely recommend probably not incorporating raw milk right away from yeah. my own experience, but maybe yours would first, be different. Yeah. First three days I had raw milk, wasn't feeling too hot. You had recommended, Hey, a lot of these guys say, don't, you know, take it out. I took it out for the time being have felt much better. Um, and again, you can even have stuff like uh, we get from the same dairy, we get whole cream, uh, but it's not loaded with carbohydrates, um, mostly fat product. Yeah. The cream isn't cottage cheese has some carbohydrates, not very many. The, the thing is like what separates this from a keto diet a keto diet allows for it, depending on which sage you are and what your goals are, allows for a certain level of carbohydrates because you're still consuming vegetables. Vegetables have carbohydrates, like minimal amounts, but it, it does add up over time. Like if you eat a carrot, there's a lot more carbohydrates than a carrot or an onion. Anyway, going down a rabbit trail. Uh, so cottage cheese does have a little bit. Um, sour cream has a very small amount. If I understand, butter has none. Um, hard cheeses have almost none. Um, but a lot of that again has to do with the lactose because some people do not react well to lactose. This is an anti-inflammatory sort of goal for this diet. So I can't remember why I started down that rabbit trail. Of, no, that's, uh, that's actually helpful. Cause I think a lot, a lot of people do ask the question, well, you know, what's the difference between carnivore and keto? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, it would mainly be the vegetables and a lot of, you know, the other thing is like, Oh, this is a zero carb diet. Yeah. The carnivore at its base is a zero carb diet. You don't get carbohydrates from animals. Yeah. Like from what I understand. Yeah. Um, one of the things too is then this some category. I've seen mixed reviews on this. Um, one of the hot topics, of, I think probably the biggest hot topic is spices, um, whether people are going to include spices, if so, what they are. The only thing that I would say is I, I have, I've been a spice user and uh, Dan has not. But one thing I have noted, Dan, is when you look at a lot of the stuff on your spice rack, especially if it's already mixed, you really have to watch that. Yeah. Some they of it put a lot of sugar. garbage in Yeah. That there's stuff. a lot of, lot of garbage. Yeah. yeah absolutely. There's a, a lot of, a lot of sugar. There's a lot of products where you're like, well, why is that even in there? So what I started doing is, well, if I'm going to use spices, like I made a chili and used just minimal spices, which of course chilies are a vegetable, right? So you, yeah. you are including that in there. Um, but you just have to, I, I basically went to like, well, I'm going to mix my own then. Cause I don't yeah. want sucralose yeah, and you should do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's just, I think what it is, is it, a lot of this is you got to go past the laziness and just say, or just convenience and say, look, it, and for me too, it's like, well, if I start down this road, then it's like, well, why would I have all these five other things that just annihilate what I'm trying to accomplish? Yeah, why, why would you consume things that are like, oh, that's an anti-caking agent yeah, or that's like that. an, it, you know, a, a, an artificial flavor of some sort. Like where the heck does that come from? Where does artificial, whatever the flavor is come from? Like, I don't know that. Why would yeah. I put it into my body? You're trying to be, you know, mindful of that right now. So one thing I would say, it depends on your goal, like for what we're doing. Yeah. Huge. I'm, I'm like, this is a scientific test. I want to make sure that I'm really limiting anything that I'm putting into my body that I don't know. You Hard, know. Hardcore adherence. Yeah, more. Uh, I did have some pepper today for lunch, some pepper. And so if I don't feel great 
from that, then guess what? I'm just not going to eat pepper. But it's really difficult to get a variety in your diet. Like if you're going to eat a sausage or something like that, it's going to have spices in it. And so for me, for the purposes of this experiment, I'm going to be limiting a lot of my spice, you know, the spices and and definitely herbs. You know, I'm not eating any, any herbs if I can help it um, for this diet. And if I feel like garbage after I eat it, then I'm not going to eat it. Again, elimination yeah, diet. It becomes really easy to figure out, like, why don't I feel good when you've eaten the same thing like every day and then you introduce something new? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, some of the other things on the sum category, uh, honey is one as a sweetener. I've kind of noticed that most people will allow it. One of the problems I have with it, though, is um, just personal use that when I was using it in my coffee, sometimes you're getting like uh, one tablespoon of honey is like 18 grams of carbohydrate sugar. Yeah. So that's just something to watch. The other one that you typically see on here is maple syrup. Um, people will include that or not. So it just kind of depends. And uh, I think Dan's right. You just have to kind of pay attention to your body. That's the whole point of this. Pay attention to your body, see how it affects you, and then make the appropriate adjustments. So Dan, now what I want to do is jump into some of the said benefits of the carnivore diet. Uh, one that you mentioned right off the top here, you had mentioned before, was reduced inflammation. So a lot of people that are doing this, um, carbohydrates, especially processed carbohydrates, refined sugar, are causing inflammation. They're causing things like increasing glucose and insulin levels, which leads to insulin resistance. This becomes a huge problem, especially if you're trying to, say, lose weight. Um, why, on the ins uh, or on the inflammation front, um, I know you're not a doctor. I know you're not a scientist, but why is that such an important thing to address with something like carnivore? Yeah, absolutely. There are multiple facets to why inflammation can be harmful for your health. One of the basics that I had never really considered and that I've experienced myself, this is just a personal anecdote. Maybe you're, you've never heard of this. Maybe it's crazy for me to say, but when I eat certain foods, tortilla chips comes to mind. I would actually have difficulty breathing through my nose Interesting. at times. And which led me down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole. I just picked up a book. I haven't, I can't recommend it because I haven't read it yet, but it's called Breath by James Nestor. And essentially the, the idea is that because of inflammation and lots of other reasons, tongue position and all sorts of stuff, we're not getting enough air. We're not getting enough oxygen. And what that does is it leads to bad sleep. And so uh, sleep apnea has been a concern for me. I so uh, this gets into the why are we doing the diet a little bit, but just as a personal anecdote, there was one time, so I'm, I'm hunting up in the Uinas, uh, high, uh, high mountains, 10,000 feet. So there's not very much oxygen to begin with. I have an allergy to pine and we had a fire that night. I'm, I'm like, you know, in the smoke, breathing it in. I'm having a hard time breathing through my nose anyway, because of inflammation and allergic reaction, you know, and. And in the night I wake up because I, I wasn't breathing. Like I had stopped breathing because of sleep apnea and it terrified me. Mm -hmm. Like I was absolutely terrified. And my wife has said like, Hey, you, you snore like all the time, which is classic sleep apnea right? caused by inflammation because you can't breathe and because of fat and things like that. And so there's, uh, there are other issues with inflammation. Uh, I believe it has uh, connections to like cancer and heart disease and like all sorts of bad stuff. And what's really interesting is when you do the carnivore, so I dropped a lot of weight like right away. Like within a few days, I dropped a substantial Which amount of weight. Which is usually water 
It's water weight, yeah. which is inflammation. I'm not losing fat. Like when you lose your first five pounds, you're not losing five pounds of fat. It's usually water. You know, we've all heard that water weight. Where does the water come from? It's your body retaining it in the form of inflammation. Interesting. And so that's, that's where it's coming from. It's not like your body's full of air or something like that, you know, being inflamed. And so it's just retention of water in your cells. So that was one of the, one of my concerns was actually breathing. Interesting. Yeah. Which is hugely important. So Harvard's, this is harvard.edu lists inflammation as one of the direct risk factors for chronic disease, such as type two diabetes, heart disease, um, again, from excess inflammation. Now it's interesting too, cause this is what we're talking about. We talk about the nutrition guidelines given by the U.S. government, but then you look at this is Harvard, right? This isn't some like quack website that I'm looking at. Harvard says foods that cause inflammation. Number one perpetrator here is refined carbohydrates such as white bread and pastries, French French fries, fried food, etc., uh, sugary sodas, sweetened beverages, uh, margarine, and then because they're you know, completely backwards. Then they say foods that cause inflammation, red meat. Well, sorry, Harvard, you're wrong on that one. Yeah. Cause I ate red meat for like 10 days straight and dropped like a pound every day. So yeah. And so, but, but I think even they're saying, look, we know inflammation is a problem. I think the establishment in many ways is still wrong about red meat. They have been for a long time. So that's not surprising. So that's one of the things that carnivore will help with is inflammation reduction. Um, also increase in fat loss. It will reverse certain autoimmune conditions. It will heal chronic digestive issues. And this one's kind of interesting, building muscle, increasing hormone health and testosterone production in the body. So all of these are said benefits. A lot of people, you can research this, um, have, you know. Experienced this. Experienced this. Yeah, so, so we're going to see over the next 90 days. Yeah, we'll see if this, this works for us. One of the things Dan mentioned as another benefit is it puts your body in a state of ketosis, which means that you're really working with the grain of your diet and nutrition to promote hormone health and weight loss. One of the things that I think, Dan, we both have seen so far is in the past, like I've used these calorie deficit diets, not really lost weight. You're still having some carbohydrates. You're um, hungry all the time. You're hungry like all the famished. time. It's horrible. Now it's like not counting calories, eating to satiation eating a lot of fat, meats, et cetera. And it's like, I'm losing weight effortlessly. What the heck is going on? Yeah. You know, one way I've had it described, let me give you the blue collar yeah. non-medical way. Yeah. Okay. So, so I've heard it explained like this, like when you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, you know, you see like people snack all the time. They're like, you know, my, my wife is a big snacker. She loves snack. I've never been a big snacker, but right. You know, it's just always having something to munch on. And the idea is like, Carbohydrates are like having a refrigerator in your home. Like it's easy to get to. You're going to get food quick access. a lot. Yeah. When the fridge is empty, you want to fill it up as quick as you can. You know, so that's kind of your body is getting used to going to the fridge and just eating these carbohydrates, like building on carbohydrates. And what you're doing when you go into ketosis is you're saying like there, the, the fridge is empty. It's not getting filled up again. And so you're going to have to go to the freezer. Going to the deep freeze is a pain in the backside, right? Because you got to think meat. ahead of time. Yeah, you got to thaw the meat yeah. and you got to. And so it, in, this, in this metaphor, it, what you're doing is you're saying, body, you're not running on fridge food anymore. You're running on freezer food. And so it'll, it's essentially your body is getting used to eating fat 
what are, I mean, you're made of fat, like fat people have a lot of fat. They've got a lot of freezer food. And so you're, you're tuning your body, flipping that switch. Yeah. Flipping the switch so that now we're going to go to the deep freeze if you're hungry. And it, it does take some time to do that, by the way. It's actually an interesting metaphor because I, I was even thinking about just how our kitchen has changed in the last two weeks at my house, at least you do have to plan more ahead with meat preparation, yeah. right? So it's like, even, even now it's like, I can't just go in the pantry and pull out a thing of pretzels. I have to plan ahead. I have to thaw things out. Um, I, and I've got to, you know, if I, you know, I'm going to eat at five 30, I need to get the grill going. You know, there's so much that goes into it. There's a lot more prep. Yeah. And if you don't, you're like, well, I guess it's eggs again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so that's a huge one is ketosis. Um, I think most people will find that it's a pretty beneficial thing if you're trying to lose weight. Uh, most people are generally successful um, doing that. Uh, less focus, there's another benefit, less focus on calorie counting and diet restriction. Again, we're eating to satiation and uh, generally counting on poundages of meat. One thing, I started tracking calories just so I could speak to this. But what I found when I was tracking calories is that I actually needed to do a better job of making sure I ate enough. Yeah. I know because that's been a big problem for me too. Honestly, like this, this, if the biggest thing I could convey about how this has been for me so far, I feel like consistent energy levels and I'm just not hungry all the time. I, I don't, whereas other diets, you know, you're on a, a 500 calorie a day deficit type diet. You're like always starving. You're trying to distract yourself. You're moody. You're cranky. I don't, I have not experienced any of that. Uh, food has become more like, oh yeah, I should probably eat. I guess I'll make something and eat it. I'm generally not like have that starving hunger. I'm about to die feeling. No, no, I haven't felt that way either. So I think that is another benefit. Also, we mentioned this before, but it helps improve insulin uh, resistance, improve that condition, I should say, especially would be applicable for people with type two diabetes. This is why they're typically recommended some sort of low carb diet because it's going to help. Best thing you can do is, uh, you know, typically you always see this in the movies where they're like, Oh, I have low blood sugar. So they're always eating sugar. I used to have a friend who'd be like, Oh, I have these yeah. blood, blood sugar juice. conditions. Yeah. So I was like, so what do you do to deal with it? Oh, I just drink like a whole Coke and I feel better. Well, you're actually making the problem worse. And so long-term what you need is some combination of improving your insulin resistance. You can read all about that as well. So now, Dan, we're going to get into potential pitfalls of the carnivore diet. These, I think, were pretty interesting when I was reading through them. There's a lot of propaganda online, especially if you use Google for your search engine. There is a lot of propaganda online talking about like how carnivore is going to kill you. And I thought that was pretty interesting. But then when you actually dig into it, you're like, what's the, they're like, one of the headlines that I read was this, why carnivore could be catastrophic for your health. And then it listed three things. These are my first three things on potential pitfalls. Number sounds, one. Sounds serious. Yeah. Could be catastrophic. Number one, in the first days of doing carnivore, it causes fluid imbalance. What does that mean? Fluid imbalance? Oh my gosh, Dan, that could be catastrophic. And then I read it and they were like, yes, in the first few days, you, because you're losing inflammation, you will lose a few pounds in water weight. That doesn't sound catastrophic. Especially since he's like, the only thing you can drink is water. I know. So that's number one catastrophic side effect huh. is fluid imbalance. 
Number two, catastrophic side effect. Hormone fluctuations. Your hormones that, are changing because they're getting better. Yeah. This, like, <laughs> no, that's a part of the goal. That's diet. actually what we're trying to do. So what's interesting, though, and this is real. The, I noticed the first two days, something that they do say under hormone fluctuation. Because you're changing what your body has been doing, and you're essentially cutting carbohydrates out of your diet, one of the things your body does is release cortisol, which can make you moody and irritable. The first two days were really hard for me just to make that adjustment. About a day and a half. You see, the key is if you're just grumpy all the time, nobody notices a difference. They will never know. (laughs) So a day and a half, two days was that by day three and especially day four, happy as a clam. I feel better, you know, at that point than, than I'd ever felt. Energy level's great. No more crankiness. So that is true. Um, there's potential crankiness as you change. Doesn't seem catastrophic, though, to your health. No. And uh, like two days of crankiness substituted for, I mean, the junk food lifestyle diets that people eat. It's like, I haven't had, I haven't had lunch in two hours. Like, I'm about to like, you know that feeling like, Hangry. They yeah. even have a word for it. Yeah. It's like an hour before dinner and you're like, you just turn into a monster. That's totally gone now. I don't. Eating seems optional sometimes. It really does. So, so today's a good example. As, much. <laughs> as of recording, it is 2 p.m. I just realized this. It's 2 p.m. I ate breakfast at 7 a.m. this morning. I haven't eaten since then. Feel fine. Not hungry. Yeah, and I just got done with lunch an hour ago, and that was the first time I ate for today. Right. Yeah. So, two days of crankiness, worth it. Okay, I'll take that. Number three, Dan, potential catastrophic pitfall of the carnivore diet is that you could crave carbs. I don't get how this article is absolute <laughs> garbage. I don't know where you found this thing. Those are catastrophic. Potentially. You might have cravings. Cravings seem like they could be catastrophic to your health. Oh, it's in cra- what way? Like mental health? I don't get it. Well, it's crazy because think about this. Like carnivore is like, okay, eat meat. And by the way, you probably won't be as hungry. Does any of the fast food industry, any of the junk food industries, is that good for business? It's real bad. It's real bad. Like, honestly, if people picked up on this, went carnivore or some form of low carb, started eating anything not in the center of the grocery store aisle. We would all be healthier and entire industries would die. I mean, think about that. That's yeah. the repercussions if people pick up on carnivore. Hence, when you try to Google carnivore, most of the stuff you find will be negative because that would be bad for business. So keep that in mind. Craving carbs. I actually haven't. Um, I, I take that back. I craved a carb. Oh, yeah? The other day we were picking apples. Yeah. There were chips on the table. There was everything. And I picked up an Asian pear apple hybrid and I smelled it and my senses went crazy, Dan. But that's about it. I haven't, I haven't been dying for carbohydrates. I just want a glass of scotch real bad. Glass of scotch, maybe a jalapeno here or there. Yeah. But honestly, the cravings haven't been that bad. Other potential pitfalls, bowel movement issues. Some people have loose stools. Some people are constipated. Kind of depends. Usually you yeah, get you used know, to it. You know, you're talking about propaganda. I was looking at uh, actually Liver King stuff. Because mm-hmm. just looking at critiques, this was a while back. And there was a doctor, some normie doctor, YouTube doctor. And he's looking at Liver King, what he eats. He posts like all the time, like this is what chef 
Lionel, I think is his name makes on Saturdays. And it's usually some like huge feast. That's just absolutely ridiculous. I love these videos, by the way, they're, they're so very stinking entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. And so it's like some crazy amount of like cheeseburgers and like a whole roasted lamb and liver. Cause liver is King. And primal. Then, primal. Yeah. And, and so this doctor's looking at it and he just starts laughing. He's like, there's no fiber in any of that food. I mean, this man must never poop. People are just obsessed with pooping. And if well, you want to hear about pooping, we've been told you have to have high fiber diets in order to keep from getting like colon cancer. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I don't actually know what's true. That's part of the experiment. Right. Yeah. But some of the claims from some of these carnivore guys is that there's a lot of issues with leaky gut syndrome because of the abrasive nature of certain vegetables and some grains. And so I don't know, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. It all sounds like pseudoscience to me, but you've got to look around at the general populace that's saying like, Hey, celiacs um, is on the rise. We've been eating tons of flour grain products. Right. Sean, Sean Baker in, in his book, uh, Car- the carnivore diet makes this argument. He says like, if somebody was not telling you a dietitian wasn't saying kale is really good for you. You should Nobody eat it. would eat that. Nobody would eat it. Nobody would want to eat it. You know who the largest buyer of kale was, I think it was before 1990. It was pizza hut because they used it for decorating their salad bar. I believe it. So they would put the bowls of salad and stuff like that in a bed of kale, but they wouldn't feed it to people. They're like, Hey, what's something cheap and vegetable that absolutely no one would be tempted to eat. So they'd never mistake it for food. I know kale kale. Yeah. 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 We make fun of kale. I've actually had kale where it tastes fine, but, but that's not the point. The point is like, would you eat a lot of this stuff? If somebody wasn't telling you, you need to eat this. And now I'm just like, I, man, I don't know. I'm very suspicious of any of this. Like, because I, I can tell you, or we're going to talk about it in the after hours about bowel movements and things like that. Yeah. Like, so you'll, you'll just have to listen to that, to our experience. Cause I've been on the carnivore diet now. This is day 15. Well, think about this. Dan. So think about this. I have gone to the bathroom. I will tell you that for people who aren't Once, yet members on Patreon. I think the most enticing thing that could encourage people to sign up is that we're going to talk about poop. <laughs> so put that feather in your hat. We will well, we'll as- also have things like, uh, like all my blood panels yeah, that I've taken, you know, uh, getting my cholesterol levels, which would be really interesting. Maybe have a conversation on cholesterol yeah, and then on, on, uh, testosterone levels. Yeah. See what happens there. Very interesting. When I got my test back on testosterone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last pitfall, high in dietary fat, they say causes high cholesterol, sodium, red meat kills you. It'll cause heart attacks. Pretty much all of that's been disproven already, but yet they persist. So I do want to move on now, Dan. We're going to answer some common questions about carnivore. I've got three of them, so they're not extremely lengthy. But number one, uh, somebody asked me this on Facebook, but I've heard it actually quite a bit. Won't you get scurvy, Dan, if you're on the carnivore diet? My answer to that is pretty straightforward because there's actually a lot of information on this as well. And that is that muscle meats and organ meats and everything you're eating head to tail from an animal is actually loaded with vitamin C. Yeah. As long as it's fresh. Yeah. So one of the reasons somebody was telling me this the other day, we were as in like non cured. Well, and by fresh, this is what somebody was telling me the other day. Well, why are we always thinking about like pirates and people on ships getting scurvy? Well, their meat was salted and wasn't fresh. And so they were nutrient deficient. Yeah. 
But it wasn't because they weren't eating fruits and vegetables. That's actually a myth. I didn't know that until, and I looked it up and there's actually a bunch of research on this. I mean, you see these guys in carnivore, they're definitely not getting scurvy. And I would say to people too, if you're at all worried about that, take a supplement. Yeah. Take a supplement, take a multivitamin. I've actually, that's been part of my routine. I was doing it before carnivore, but there's a, you know, local people that got me in all the woo woo good vitamins feel way better. Really? Yeah. Tons of, uh, vitamin C and that stuff. So, huh? Really not What kind of woo woo vitamin, you know what? Different conversation. It's actually not even woo woo. It's like vitamin B. There's some, so like a capsule. Oh, there's a bunch of them. I take like, I don't know, like six basic vitamins. Um, it was actually, a lot of them were recommended during COVID, um, by a number of doctors. And so I started taking them and I was like, wow, I feel amazing. Oh, interesting. Uh, so yeah, maybe in after hours we'll go into those. So uh, you won't get scurvy though. We're not getting scurvy, Dan. Oh, that's good, man. That sounds like a terrible way to die. I was uh, concerned about that one. Number two, isn't it expensive to eat meat all the time, Dan? You know, that is the thing that I hear most is that, oh man, I wish I could afford it. Well, you and just need actually, to become a pastor like Dan so you can afford anything. Yeah, definitely. If you'd see my vehicle outside right now, it is a 2005 Chrysler Town & Country with 180,000 miles and a bullet hole in it. Yeah, but don't let Dan lie to you. That baby is sweet. Yeah, I mean, the clear coat is mostly gone on one side. You can definitely tell seat, it was parked outside in the desert. Yeah. If the back seat was actually bolted to the floor, I it would it. be comfortable. I fixed it. And it runs now like better because I replaced the spark plugs anyway. Oh man. Yeah. The, the point is that I I'm, I'm not making a massive income either. It does help that I shot an elk that I had bought a whole cow from Quinn Bible and salt and strings barbecue. That helps. And that we are getting some meat sent to us. But here's the thing you read, like how much meat should I eat on this diet? And you'll see like two and a half pounds a day, two pounds a day, man. I'm forcing myself to eat more than a pound and a half of meat, you know, a pound and a half of meat. If you eat a pound, by the way, of 90, 10 hamburger, there's about a thousand calories in it. So that it goes back to our, our talk about like eating enough calories. That's where the two, for most people, that's where the two and a half pounds is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like with a lot of these guys, they'll tell you like, Hey, just, just eat what you can afford. You're not eating. I mean, like some guys will eat a ribeye every day, like good for you guys. But that's why I, I can't it, do that. I mean, ground beef. Yeah. I was going to say that's the misnomer is people think you're having a T-bone or eggs, bacon, ground beef, sausage. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just eat what you can. And you're not eating as much. You're not buying the snacks. You're not buying a variety of things. So, so what, when I make like uh, the other day, I had some family in town were like, well, let's make pot stickers. I love to cook. I really like to experiment with a lot of foods. And so we made pot stickers from scratch. It was like, oh, we should have just gone to a restaurant. I think it was like 60 bucks. Granted, you make all the pot stickers you can eat and then some. But with this, like there are no $60 meals or very few. Like you're buying hamburger, having a steak once in a while. Well, I actually sat down with my wife uh, because I, I was curious about this question. Like, what's the expense? And I think part of the problem is people look at their budget now for groceries. And then they say, okay, if I took that budget and then I added two and a half pounds of meat a day per person, gosh, that would be expensive. And it would be. And it would be. So we looked at our budget and maybe this is something we'll share in the after hours, but we looked at our budget. And then I said, even I said, if our whole family, five people, if we were all to do carnivore and do per pound meat for the year, I calculated the year, I calculated 
uh, you know, how much meat and, and other products that would be uh, for the year. And then I said to my wife, how much are we spending per month on groceries? And then you added it up and it was like, it was actually a slight bit. It depends what all you include, but a slight bit cheaper to do carnivore. Because what you don't realize is like all the four and five dollar a box cereal garbage that's in the house. Well, plus like eating out, like yeah. your whole like, you know, restaurant budget. I got, man, the number of things you can actually eat at a restaurant now are pretty limited. And quite honestly, I wouldn't even go there. Like the uh, yeah. steak that you're going to have from one of our guys, whether it's two ass or Quinn in reality, I eat that stuff. And then I'll go to like, I, for work, I was at a high end steak restaurant. We ate a ribeye and I was like, ugh, like the stuff I'm getting from these guys is so much yeah, better. I had the same experience. I went to a local steakhouse the yeah. other day. It was just this last week and I ordered a ribeye medium rare. It was actually cooked really well. And I'm eating the meat. I'm like, this is like stringy and tough. It was like stuck all in my teeth. It was so much lower quality than what we've been getting. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to cook it myself. Like why would I, and it was $40. Yeah. And I think too, in the expense category, one of the things we have to do is you have to look at long-term health benefits, lifespan, health span, right? So a lot of people are like, yeah, no big deal. I spend four or $500 in my fifties and sixties. I spend four or $500 a month on prescription pills, which include cholesterol medicine and blah, blah, blood pressure medicine, blah, 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 blah. That stuff is expensive. And yet we don't think twice about it. Plus you have a low quality of life. Yeah. You have low quality of life, but then you say, okay, let's go back to your twenties and thirties. Let's invest a little bit more in quality food. And people are like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't afford that. That's too expensive. So we basically just have to untrain ourselves to value the things that look. If you're a healthier, happier, more energetic, fruitful, testosterone-filled, hormone-balanced person, life is going to be a lot better. Maybe that cost is worth it. And I would argue, yes, it is actually worth it. So last, Dan, last common question we get is, isn't red meat consumption connected to heart disease? Well, I would just recommend the books, The Big Fat Surprise and Sacred Cow. This is categorically false. Yeah, you'll find like cholesterol, right? Cholesterol and saturated fats. Those are like the big things that they're, they're going to claim causes heart disease. And if you go on the carnivore or you go on a ketogenic diet, your cholesterol universally will go up. It will. I mean, there's just no avoiding it. It will go up. But the funny thing about cholesterol is it's your hormone production center like needs cholesterol if you don't have enough cholesterol you actually die it is a necessary every um, cell is made up of of cholesterol of yeah cholesterol. absolutely and so big pharma has made a ton of money on this granted Statins. there are there are uh, links between your uh, is it ldl cholesterol and and plaque and things like that but yeah, the but he, size of the particulates is something that they don't mention. You right. Get, you know, if you're eating a, like a higher grain diet, it's just really crazy, by the way, that you go on a heart healthy diet and people are like eating oatmeal and Wheaties and like all these processed grains and everything like that and realize that it actually is not helping your heart at all. It's probably making things worse. Well, and a big part of this too is w w you have to understand that we still don't understand medically the whole connection between cholesterol and heart disease. So my dad's had a couple heart attacks, had open heart surgery. And the best information that a lot of his uh, cardiovascular doctors are saying now is that they were looking for a marker, which is lipoprotein little a. They said lipoprotein little a is really the thing you want to look for. Not LDL, not HDL. Don't even worry about those. So 
whether that's true or not, one of the things you can learn from it is this whole science, which a lot of it is a shot in the dark pseudoscience at this point. Yeah. They don't actually understand the connection there. We do know this, however, red meat does not cause heart disease. That was an absolute myth that's been disproven. It's interesting though, even Harvard places like that, they're still stuck on that. Even though the studies have shown, yeah, that's not actually true. Well, I want to segue Dan now into a question. Why are we doing this? Because I think this is maybe one of the more interesting questions that we might ask and answer as part of the show. And I came up with two reasons. I want to hear yours as well and interject uh, by all means in this conversation. But number one, we're doing this because voluntary hardship is good for men, right? We're living in what Michael Easter has called the comfort crisis. I believe that that's true, right? In our age, in our day, we have nothing uncomfortable in our lives unless we actively choose it. And as a result, men are increasingly softer and softer simply as a product of living in our times. And so I think, Dan, you would agree, we wanted to introduce voluntary hardship. We wanted to do something hard because men need that. And we both noticed in our lives that we were soft in many ways. And you can't live off yesterday's success, which means that you're going to have to expose yourself on a daily ongoing basis to hard things. And carnivore is, in many ways, a hard, hard choice. It's doing the hard thing and it's a way of hardening ourselves. Now, I think we're also both doing this and then you mentioned this earlier, in conjunction with a lifting regimen, strength training, which is in large part based off Mark Ripito's Starting Strength. Uh, you and I have both read that book. It's also nearly identical to what Matt Reynolds, uh, CEO of Barbell Logic, and I talked about in a, in a very recent episode of the Hard Men podcast. So I encourage you to check that out if you haven't done that. Um, but that's really something that we're doing in conjunction as a part of this hardening. We're tracking, at least I am, using the strong lifts app. Uh, there's a free version and a paid version of that. It's pretty cheap. And then free is my fitness pal. I log daily calories on the days when I do that just for scientific purposes. Uh, don't do that every day. So do you agree with that, Dan, the need yeah. for voluntary hardship is good for men? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I came at it from a different angle, but it's the same conclusion. Yeah. And it, it was really when I was out elk hunting, I'm climbing over a deadfall. And when you've got uh, as much deadfall as it was, as I was climbing through, maybe post a picture on social media so you can see exactly what I mean. Just a lot of dead trees, millions of dead trees in the mountains from the Western uh, bark beetle that has killed, I mean, millions of trees, you get snowpack and, and storms. And then they just, it looks like uh, a matchbox was just dumped out onto, you know, the ground. And it's just like, you're climbing through it. You're just climbing through it. Yeah. Except it's on a side of a mountain. And so I'm stepping up over these trees and I'm landing on my, my knees start to hurt mm. and I just feel like heavy and I didn't feel good. And I came to the realization really it was an epiphany as I'm like breathing hard, doing this hard thing and not very well that this lack of discipline was just shot through every area of my life. And so it's like, what is one of the things that I can fix right now? What is the lowest hanging fruit? And it was just, what do I put in my mouth? That is something that I can discipline myself to do. Like, I mean, it, it sounds silly probably to somebody that's not been eating only meat for the last 15 days, but you know, they're like, well, you're eating like steak and hamburger and eggs, like, and bacon, like how hard can that be? It's, it's kind of hard. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not like preparing for a triathlon hard. I'm, I'm under no delusions that it's that difficult, but it is one thing. 
it's one thing that introduces discipline. You cannot capitulate at every convenient time. You can't say like, Hey, you know what? I would really like a drink night right now. I'm just going to fulfill that. And, and so an, another thing that's come up while I've been on this diet is just, I think it's like a dopamine addiction mm. or a dopamine response. Yeah. And so when you want a snack, when you want to have a treat or some, some delicacy of some sort, whether that's from like stress eating or just like seeking pleasure or whatever, I think those pleasure responses and responders in your brain are just firing all the time. Like they want to go right. And you want another hit of dopamine. This is a, we, we tie this, like there's actually like a sinful route to pornography. Absolutely. First and foremost, but second of all, it's like a dopamine addiction. You become addicted to these chemicals that are released in your brain yeah, even and like smartphone use with these quick hits of, Oh, I got to check that notification. Yeah. Oh, oh I got, yeah. Somebody sent me an email. Oh, I got it. Yeah, that's absolutely. All that's all dopamine. Sugar has been shown to show like, oh man, dopamine, like crazy. And so that, that's been one of the interesting things that has been a side, side benefit of, or I, I guess has come to the forefront of my, my mind as I've been going through this is that I will have these like desires for dopamine, whether it's having a drink, you know, scotch or if it's, Cigar. you know, some other, yeah, something, just something to get more dopamine, more dopamine. And, and so it's been uh, another discipline that's been introduced. And so hardship, you know, I, I look at it as like definitely introducing hardship, but for the sake of purpose, which is discipline. So that in every area of my life, you can be disciplined. I, I've seen guys say like with weightlifting, not known to be the most disciplined guys, but in that area of their life, they are like, they wake up early, they do their workout, they eat really well. And I figure as like a godly Christian man that if I can introduce some discipline, disciplining my body, Paul says like, you know, I, I beat my body, you know, for the sake of discipline and things. And so, so if I can do that, it should start to bleed into other areas of my life. So introducing hardship. Yes. For the sake of discipline. Yeah. That's exactly is the primary reason that I did this. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, as I am want to say huge, huge, uh, also huge, Dan. Second point I wanted to point to is that we really are living in the same moment that many men are, which is that health and lifespan are not optimal. Um, where many of us, yeah, I read the study the other day and it was talking about how, yeah, longevity, uh, the lifespan of men is not necessarily decreasing, but the quality of life is the rate of chronic disease and stuff like that. Um, I think like you were saying on the mountain, we have these moments where like when, when you can't hack it, when you're breathing too hard, when you're fat, your pants don't fit, it's not a good feeling. And yeah, I know you don't sleep. It seems really yeah. obvious, but these things add up. And then I think what many of us do is we wake up one morning, we look in the mirror and we're not really happy with who we are, but we feel powerless to change. And so one of the ways that you can get things on the right track and start really start acting like a man again is back to the atomic habits thing. You just change the small keystone habits. And I found even through this, that eating is one of them. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I give this in counseling all the time. Like I'll sit down with men and women who have some sort of issue and I'm like, okay, there's a lot of problems here. This is what I'm thinking. Like it, you know, in my head, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of problems here. Pick and, one thing. And yeah, you can't, you can't like part of counseling isn't, isn't like, let me just like control you for just a little bit. I swear I could make everything better and you might be able to, but you can't actually manipulate and win anybody to do that. 
And so you just pick one thing, the easiest thing, usually. Just do this one thing. And eating is definitely the one thing. If you're talking about health, like exercise has a very high bar of entry. You know, we talk about like powerlifting, weightlifting, lifting heavy things, strength training is, I think, the best exercise you can do, period. But you take somebody that has never done a deadlift before and it's like, here's, here's a starting strength video. That's how you do a deadlift. Okay. Knock yourself out. Like, man, there's a high chance of injury. Where do you get, you got to buy all this equipment, like everything like that. You have to have a plan to start and you should, but eating very low barrier entry, especially with something as simple as an elimination diet, like the keto diet or like the carnivore diet is that, okay, what's the rule? Okay. I can eat meat and eggs and salt. It's actually pretty simple. So I can start there. Yes, absolutely. Use the, do the easiest thing first. Yeah. And I mean, guys like Jordan Peterson have pointed to this, right? If you can learn how to make your bed, if you can get your own household in order in just some simple, small ways, they call them keystone habits because they tend to have a ripple effect to the rest of your life as well. So like I was saying, like many men, we've recognized the ongoing problem with men's health as well. Just the environment that we live in. Testosterone is crashing, obesity is skyrocketing, and there are alarming rates of chronic heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Other factors play into this as well, like poor sleep habits, chronic stress, lack of exposure to sunlight, and you know you could go on and on with some of the problems here, estrogen in the water. Men have less grip strength. The frogs are gay. The frogs are actually gay. There's studies. I've actually read them. And yes, that's actually happening. Men have less grip strength than ever. Smaller chests and less sexual drive. That's a huge problem we find in counseling. I found in counseling men as well. One study, for example, showed that a 67-year-old man in the year 2000 had the same testosterone level as the average 20-year-old in 2022. So, Dan, that's 22 years. That's shocking. That's very recent. I remember the year 2000. I remember Y2K. Yes. And, it, and testosterone has plummeted since then. There's tons of studies on this surprisingly little on what you can do about it or what's causing it, how to fix the problem. And the big pharma and all those people don't really care, as we mentioned before. Because they are selling TRT now. Because they're actually making money off the problem, which they created isn't that convenient. So Dan, I, I know you have as well. We've been researching this for some time, but more intensively recently. What the data shows is a couple of factors, including that processed carbohydrates, refined sugar, and seed oils are extremely detrimental to our health and are behind a lot of the hormonal health problems facing men. They lead to things that we've mentioned like inflammation, spikes of glucose and insulin, and a laundry list of other health problems. So we started asking these questions among all the research. How do you solve these problems? Well, one main step for us was adhering to some sort of low-carb diet, in this case, carnivore, right? One of the things we'll talk about, I think, in future episodes is also intermittent fasting, which has been shown to rejuvenate health, lower insulin, and raise levels of human growth hormone in the body. Again, we'll discuss this in later episodes. Uh, Dan, one of the other things that, that kind of brought us here, I think, are things like weight gain, sluggishness, lack of energy, and as you said, lack of optimal discipline in our lives. I love the quote. It's humorous, but I love the quote from Boston Be a Man on YouTube. He says, don't let others ruin your day. Ruin it yourself. Be a man. <laughs> so I guess that's what we're doing. We're going to ruin Sounds it like ourselves. Sounds like a cantankerous old guy. Yeah, he's like this, uh, well, Boston guy, but uh, yeah, he's got a lot of funny stuff on there. 
be a man, Dan. Ruin it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as far as like a motivation for doing this in, in re- realms of health, yeah, I'd noticed that, it was, well, noticed. I mean, it was obvious to everybody, even myself. But since I had my first child in 2017, I've had four children since 2017. Uh, it is the year of our Lord, 2022. So it's, it's a lot only of, been five years and so I've had four a, children. A lot of baby making. Yeah. A lot yeah. of responsibilities. A, a lot, lot of sleepless nights. A lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. I've gained, I uh, gained, let's see, 30 pounds in five years, mm-hmm. which is a tremendous amount of weight. But when you back it out over five years, it's like, well, you know, you gain like seven pounds in one year. And it's realistically like, like, like a half pound a month isn't that big a deal, but you compound that over five years and all of a sudden you're big fat, you know, well, guy. a lot of it, Dan, like you, you add those things up, different forms of stress. But for me, it was working a really stressful job. Right. Yeah. And stress is a big, literally deal. like, you know, getting, you know, coming home to, you know, from work or, just, you know, getting home from a long trip and just, man, I'm going to have a couple of glasses of scotch and a hamburger and some French fries. And you're really looking for that comfort of a dopamine hit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you just wake up one day and I, I was in the same boat and like, you know, five years I'd gained 20 pounds and you're like, how did I get here? Yeah, absolutely. I, the other thing is like when you have small children, you don't sleep that well, period. But even when my kids wouldn't wake me up at night, I wouldn't feel rested. Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember the last time. Well, recently I've been sleeping well, spoiler alert. But before that, it was like, I just always tired. Three o'clock comes around, 2.30 comes around in the afternoon and I'm like ready for a nap. There are days I'm like, I'm just going to close my office door and just like take a quick, quick nap here. Power nap. Yeah. 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 Because I'm so exhausted. Just like I wake up and I just can't wait to lay down, you know, just so tired, no energy. Uh, sleep is very important. Very, very, very important. And when you're fat, uh, like I am was like, you just don't sleep well, especially if you have sleep apnea, which is probably most certainly true. Yeah. You're just not going to sleep well. And it just makes everything difficult. Yeah, it's one of the interesting things too is the the way that all the health things play together. And you know, we live in a culture we've sort of been conditioned this way. But when you start experiencing those problems, you're like, "Oh, I'll take a pill, or I'll go get an injection in my butt." And the reality is, that's just easier than making changes to your life. Yeah. Any of these guys, Andrew Huberman, uh, Peter Atia, Peter Atia uh, was on with Huberman about longevity the other day, and he said, "Listen." If you're not willing to change your diet and your exercise regimen, and I mean like seriously address them, TRT is a joke, a waste of time, and a waste of money. Like, you've got to be willing to make wholesale changes, even if that were to work. You know, we're not doing TRT. I'm not a proponent of that at this no. point. Um, so we're going to make the changes as naturally as we possibly can. But even that said, it's like, it just comes down to, you're going to have to make some hard changes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so as far as like health goes, I had some serious concerns with a lot of weight gain, higher blood pressure, probably pre-diabetic, just not, I not able to physically perform in, uh, like hunting is my big, like yeah. physical activity that I do every year it becomes really difficult to do that. And then just simply like being a good dad. Because when you're the father of young children, well, just boys, how about children? But we both have boys only. Yeah. We don't have daughters. You've got teenage boys. And so they're like, you've got to keep up, right? Well, you've got to be able to play tennis and basketball. Yeah. They're constantly like 
dad, let's go play tennis. Dad, let's go hike the mountain. Dad, let's go hunt again. Dad, let's go do these things. And you're right. You're it really, this is the issue of health span, not just how long you can live, but are those years quality? Yeah. Do you, I, I noticed that Dan, especially when my health was poor this last year, one of the things that really hit me was, you know, and I, I was convinced I need to make some changes. Like every time anything small would happen with a kid and I was called upon to discipline, I was almost always doing it with irritation and anger. And I just realized I was like, something has got to change. I should not be knee jerk responding with anger and frustration when, you know, a, a small dispute requires dad to step in just no patience, those sorts of things. And then you got to look in the mirror and you got to say, well, how much of it is because I'm fat, overweight, stressed, eating too much. Right. And there's not some magical correlation between your body fat percentage and how well you parent. No. But what it is, is you're noticing there's a lack of discipline in your own life. And that sin of a lack of discipline and self-control is bleeding over into other areas of life. It's compounding. So maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's your work. Maybe you're not focused at work. Maybe you're not doing a very good job. You don't have enough energy. Maybe you're not doing a good job of parenting because you're just snapping out of convenience at your kids because they annoy you because you, you yourself aren't self-controlled. So why would you act that way out towards others that are around you? Well, and it's all connected to like, um, I can't control what I put in my mouth. I'm lacking discipline there. So then it comes to work and, and, you know, they ask me to take on another project and I lack discipline there. So I just say yes to everything. And then my work's crazy and my food's crazy. And we're just these overloaded fat Americans. And so, yeah, this is where wanting to address those issues. Yeah. And so just as a side note, like I'm here as the average guy, right? I'm not some bodybuilder. You can't see me cause I'm, uh, this is a podcast. Yeah, neither but, of us have Instagram pages in which our body and our physique is the thing driving traffic. <laughs> the, the yeah, traffic there's yeah. The, yeah, we're not getting likes because of the size of my biceps or you know anything. But <laughs> so so just like the average guy, uh, you'll again you'll you'll see TRT numbers and weight and all the metrics and stuff like that, and you'll go, "Why this guy is just like he's like a fat thirty eight year old." man that lives in America and you would be correct. And, but the difference is that we're trying to address this. And, well, and so that's really the motivation is like, Hey guys, this not just for me, but for you as well, this is, this is low hanging fruit, like inject a little discipline and the fruit that you will bear over the long haul, I think will be massive. Maybe it's carnivore. Maybe it isn't. I can tell you though, that eating high quality food and knowing what you're eating and then moving your body will definitely benefit you. So, I mean, let's see where this is. And this is just me like trying to relate to you guys. I'm not, I'm not some like rock star bodybuilder. Yeah. And, and that's, that's true for both of us. I think one of the things, Dan, we set out to do from this project in the beginning and we asked the question, how will this benefit our listeners? Because really we're trying to produce content that's good for us, but also that is entertaining, encouraging and informational, but inspirational to people as well. And one of the things I noticed is this is a common problem for guys. Uh, we get lethargic in certain areas and it's easy to talk the talk. And then you have to look in the mirror and say, what am I actually doing to improve my condition? And one of the things I found is that, uh, you know, you and I, as we started working on this project together, reading about it, started implementing it in our lives, you build momentum. 
And so I hope it's an encouragement for guys that they, they pick up on some of the momentum and you start implementing some of these changes in your life. You get inspired, you do the hard work, et cetera. Uh, I noticed even Michael Foster is uh, going carnivore. So uh, that's great. We've Jumping been, on the bandwagon. We, we got it. him on the bandwagon. Uh, hope it uh, works out. Maybe we'll have him on the show. Talk about uh, how great carnivore was and um, all that good stuff. So one of the things I, I do want to point to Dan is just as we're closing here is what success will look like for us and how we're going to measure that. So we've got metrics again, sharing on after hours, uh, Patreon only, uh, but we've taken weight, you know, weight measurements, um, some tape measure stuff on biceps, um, midsection. Uh, I did, I think thighs and chest as well. Um, just so that we can track that across time and see, uh, how that's working out. Uh, we are, also looking at things like, you know, how is our athletic performance in the weightlifting going? Um, so I'm tracking that as well. Did yeah, I? I'm really curious about that to see, like, can I drop weight and increase my lifts? Because I've seen... Or where do I plateau? Yeah, where maybe I plateau. I'm guessing that I plateau earlier, but the the habit is more important to me than the performance at this point because the primary goal of this diet isn't necessarily to become a bodybuilder, but it's to correct some issues. And then I can introduce you know, a diet that might make more sense for gaining muscle. Yeah. So that, that's a great point. Um, we're, we're really aiming to do things like improve hormonal health and health span. So some of that is, you know, you just got to look at your life and rate it. So like, do I feel better? But some of it is also doing blood panels. Uh, we've got the testosterone measurements that we're tracking as well. And that's tied to things like libido, energy, et cetera. Uh, one of the other things I think that will be interesting too, in terms of encouraging other people as we track these things and let them know, I think that the more and more we've talked to the average listener and you find out that like, it's, it's that discovery with any issue, right? Where you're like, wow, I'm not the only person who's struggling with this, but so much feedback from guys like, yeah, I have actually had like no libido for the last two years. And I thought I was alone. I thought it was something was wrong with me. Um, turns out, you know, there's ways to address it, improve it. Cause when you think about it, Dan, if you're overweight, you're obese, whatever category you're in, if you've got low T, especially if it's hyper, hyper low, you have no libido. I mean, this is going to impact every area of your life. It's going to impact your marriage. It's going to impact, um, you know, you think about testosterone. If you've got low T testosterone is uh, Andrew Huberman has described as it's the hormone that makes hard things feel good. Well, if you don't have that, that can be problematic. And so addressing those things in a productive way so that you're healthy. And again, encouraging guys, hey, don't be passive. Take meaningful action. Don't wait for your wife to nag you to death to do something about it. Like you be a man. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's harder to start. It's it, by the way, I find it somewhat humorous. It's kind of like the person who loses their glasses all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like the funniest thing to lose your glasses when you can't see, you know, it's like just cruel. Well, it's the same thing. Like if you have low T and you don't get that, essentially the testosterone boost of like pleasure from doing hard things. And then you're like, I'm going to do hard things just because you just have to have the mental toughness to do it, yeah. to get started. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, Dan, we'll close this episode. I do want to let people know, again, we'll have more content on the Patreon exclusive episode. We're going to be talking about in this next episode, how the carnivore diet has impacted us these first two weeks. Spoiler alert, it's been really good. We'll close with that. If you're not yet a patron, you can become one. Check the show notes. 
and Eric on Patreon accounts. You can follow along for as little as $5 a month. Definitely encourage you to do that. If you love good quality Christian work, definitely support us there. And I'm going to leave you, Dan, with the quote I quoted earlier. Don't let others ruin your day. Ruin it yourself. Be a man. Okay, Dan, now. Yeah. What? I, you got to close the show in your well, deep okay. yeah. manly voice. Did you all have right. something else to say? Well, yeah. First of all, I just want to say thanks to 2S Ranch oh, for yeah. the beef. If, oh, you, if you're interested in ordering from them, I believe you can go to theprovisionhouse.com. Yeah, we'll have links for that in the show yep. notes. You can check out their website if you want to contact them. You're curious about their process, uh, 2S Ranch, and there's also the Provision House, which is their storefront uh, where they actually sell the meat. We've been there. Yes. We've got to eat some of their beef jerky in Dallas, Texas. Wonderful people. And so we give them a shout out and encourage you. If you're looking for quality grass-fed beef, that is a great place. Delivered to your door. Delivered to your door. Customer service, amazing. And Bart's just a real man and a dude. So He really is. Yes, we love sir. It. So yeah, absolutely. Check those guys out. And uh, Dan, now it's your turn. You, I'm going to give is you it, the is honors. It fight the good fight. Act like men. What do you what do you say? Stay frosty? Like, yeah, stay frosty first. Stay frosty. Fight, fight the, the good, good fight. fight. Act like men. Boom. <laughs>